And this morning, we're starting a new series called Brought into the Fold. And we're going to be looking at this question, what, what does it look like to bring more people into our church family? How does a person go from, hey, I'm new here, to I belong here? You know, there's a few steps along that process, perhaps. Maybe that might even be a tough transition to make for some, going from a new person to really, really belonging to the family. So I'm excited to look at some uh, different ways this comes through in Scripture. One of, the, one of the dynamics that I think I've noticed as I just look around our world is that generally it seems like people want to belong. I mean, I think this must be somewhat of a felt need that, you know, when you, maybe you want to belong. I don't know, where, where do you belong currently? Maybe you belong to Costco. You have a membership there, or maybe you've got membership there. But that's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about like a transactional membership where you belong because they have your money. I'm, where, do, where do you belong relationally? Like, where you walk into the group and you're like, man, these are my people. I belong here. This is, I think, a desire that a lot of us have. It must be a big desire because I even saw it on advertising recently for some recruitment for the Marine Corps. They used this slogan on a billboard, sense of belonging in the Marines. And it's a picture of a bunch of people holding rifles and stuff like that, ready, ready to charge a hill. And uh, I, when I, honestly, when I saw this, I was fascinated because I'm like, man, so billboards like this, this probably costs millions of dollars, or at least hundreds of thousands of dollars, because it's all over the place. And uh, of all the things to market to, the Marine Corps markets to a sense of belonging. So obviously, if they're, they're thinking, people are walking around feeling like, hey, I don't feel like I belong anywhere. I want to belong somewhere. Maybe I can belong with those guys holding rifles. I mean, that would be awesome. And uh, so uh, is this sense of belonging, is it worth that much money? Is that worth marketing to? Can, and can the Marines deliver on that promise that you'll get a sense of belonging? Maybe. I would imagine probably a lot of people do feel that. I was at a recent party where uh, we, were at, we were at this gathering, and I didn't really know anybody. I just knew the people that invited us, mostly. And it's generally, so I'm, you know, I'm at church events a lot, and so usually I go to, and I know most of the people there. This was the reverse, where I walk in and I know almost nobody. And I was, you know, I felt like sort of a little bit of an outsider, not because anybody was mean, but I just, I didn't know anybody. And I'm like, oh, I'm waiting for somebody to come, like, say hi to me and, like, chat with me. And uh, it didn't really happen for a little while. And I'm like, I can be the one to go and talk to new people, but I was feeling tired and I didn't really want to. And I just, I was just kind of waiting. And I, I had this feeling, I was like, oh, man, like, I'd, I'd, what, if, what if someone, like, initiated some, some contact here? And it made, it made me think about this dynamic. And I think probably right now there's, there's some people at Valley Lights currently that feel like they belong here. And maybe you're here today and you feel like you belong in the family and you know that. Well, if we wanted more people to feel that way, what would it take to get that number to grow? I think the number will grow. I think the Lord may add to our number. And I was thinking about this as I was reflecting on some passages in the book of Acts. And what's fascinating, what we see in Acts chapter 2, uh, here's, here's, a, here's a few references. It says, So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. 
Um, a few verses later, it says, every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. So right at the beginning, when, this, is, this is like the moment when the church first got started. This is a brand new thing. Like Christianity is like hot off the presses, brand new. And what's happening is that people are getting added to the family. And a lot of them, actually, you know, the first, the first go around was 3,000. And I was thinking, man, what if, what if that happened here? Like 3,000 people all of a sudden. It's like, we need, we need more group leaders. We need more coffee. I don't know. How did they, I don't even know how they pulled that off because they didn't have any big gatherings. They didn't have like temples where they could like have all the Christians gather that really for the most part was house to house. And so they got to, how many people can you fit in an old like first century house at one time? I don't know, like eight to maybe 12 people. It's kind of like a Santa Clarita house, probably, like generally on the smaller side. And uh, so, man, 3,000 people. So they, they, added, they added a bunch of people. How hard would it be to assimilate that many? But then we go a little bit further in the story, Acts chapter 4. Again, it's a similar idea. It says, but many of those who heard the message believed, and the number of men and women came to about 5,000. 5,000 people. That's, a, that's another big drop, drop of people there. So that it's, more people are getting added. Again, next chapter. Believers were added to the Lord in increasing numbers. It says multitudes of both men and women. So I don't know what multitudes is. We've already been dealing with thousands. So just more and more people are getting added. Um, you see over in these verses, we see the word number coming up a lot in the word add. Um, actually, go again to chapter 6. This might, even, this might even feel redundant because these verses are so similar. It says, so the word of God spread, which is something that God himself does. God was causing his word to spread. The disciples in Jerusalem, again, increased greatly in number, and a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. Which, that, that's encouraging, because that means they didn't just intellectually assent to the idea. They were actually walking in obedience. Well, let's go yet to another chapter. Chapter 11 says, The Lord's hand was with them, and again, a large number who believed turned to the Lord. Another verse says, And large numbers of people were added to the Lord. So, I mean, we've seen the word large and numbers and added a bunch of times. And then let's go one more, Acts chapter 16. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily. Oh, thanks, sorry, I might have skipped one. Or maybe I left one out. Um, it's on your handout, Acts 16.5. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. So, I don't know. Do you see a theme in these verses? It's... The theme is God increased the number of people in the church. God kept increasing the number of people. People were being brought into the fold. They were being assimilated into the family over and over again. And anytime I read the Bible and something's repeated like this, especially if it's the same words, that stands out to me. I'm like, obviously, God's wanting to communicate something. I don't think God repeats himself in the Bible just for kicks. Like, there's, there's something going on here. Maybe this is a pattern that he wants us to see continually. I think, and here's, here's one of my conclusions from this repetition of increasing numbers. I think the reason, one of the reasons that Jesus hasn't come back yet is because there's still more people that he wants to add to the kingdom of God before history wraps up. Do you agree? Does, does he want more people? Like, if, if, if we already were set on the number of Christians... He would, he'd just come back right now. Like, why wait? There's more people yet to get assimilated into the fold. So some people look at the volume of numbers in the book of Acts, like we, um, like 3,000 people added, 5,000 people in one day. And they're like, why doesn't that happen today? Like, why aren't that many people coming? 
in my opinion right now, I don't think the exact number is the important part. Because I don't think church growth is about a glamorous statistic that you can just slap on an Instagram story. I think the significant thing is the increase. Because every number, even the really big ones, or even the really small ones, represent individual lives. Every number represents a person. Every number represents a story. An individual who has made a connection with the living God. So today, as you're sitting here in this seat, at some point during the service, your head will be counted. Like, probably the back of your head will be counted. <laughs> and uh, so our attendance today will be recorded as a number. We, keep, we, we, you know, we count the kids and the adults every Sunday, and it'll go down on the attendance sheet, and we track the numbers, because it helps to know what God is doing here. But beneath the numbers are people. Real, live people with stories that God's working in. And I love people. Way more than I love numbers. But even if I love numbers, I would love people way more. I love people so much that I'm willing to live in a part of the country that has horrible traffic. Because if you drive on the 5 or the 405 or you got to go into LA, you're in traffic and you're like, and there's too many stinking people here. If there was less people, this would be faster. But you know what? I'll take the traffic because the traffic means there's more people here. And I love people. And to be honest, I'm not even that great of a people person. I'm not even the best conversationalist. There's some relational, we've, me and Erin took a, a personality test one time. She scored high in all the relationship category skills and I got none of them. <laughs> so anytime, if you're, if you're like, oh yeah, like he's good with people, it's like, it's like painstaking effort for me to be good with people. But whatever, whatever skills I have or don't have, I just really love people. And so, do you think, do you suppose that there's, God wants more people to be here in our church that have not yet arrived? Do you think there's supposed to be more people in these seats and more rows beyond that that just, they're just not here yet? I believe partly we exist for the people who are not yet here. We exist for the people who are not yet here. And this thought excites me. I'm excited at the thought of having new stories to learn about, new people to talk to, and to bring more people into the fold. This, I think, was the driving focus for the Apostle Paul. And one of my favorite stories in the book of Acts is in chapter 16. And uh, it's this great story about him being really focused on people as well. In verse 11, he says, it says, From Troas we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace the next day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, a Roman colony in a leading city of the district of Macedonia. We stayed in that city for several days. Basically, all that, what that means is they went to Europe for the first time. So they got in a boat, and they went to Europe. And actually, Christianity had not yet landed in Europe yet until Paul went there. Um, they didn't call it Europe at that time. But next verse says, On the Sabbath day, we went outside the city gate by the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and spoke to the women gathered there. So here's, here's a good question. It's, you know, it's like this, their Sabbath, which is you know, Sunday, and he's, he's wandering around. He's looking for the, the, um, the temple. Normal, normally what Paul would do is he'd go to a new place. He'd go on the Sabbath to the temple. And normally there'd be men there, and normally he'd talk to those men. But he's wandering around. First of all, why is Paul even in Europe? Like, why did he just sail across the, the sea 
when he's got plenty of good people and good churches to be around, like, why is, what is he doing? Why is he wandering around on a Sunday looking for people to talk to? I think he's extremely focused on the people that are not yet in the fold. I think he was on the hunt. I think he was looking to see where God was working. And so he didn't find his temple or any men. He just goes down by the river and finds a uh, bunch of women sitting there. And he's like, well, if this is who the Lord has me to talk to, this is who I'm going to talk to. So what happens is a God-fearing woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, was listening. And amazing, an amazing miracle happens. It says the Lord opened her heart to respond to what Paul was saying. So Lydia responded to the good news about Jesus, became the first convert in Europe. Christianity had not set foot in this region yet. And actually, Lydia became, uh, her house became the first church in this area. And it would later become the church, uh, the Philippian church. So when Paul writes the letter to the Philippians, this is where it all started. This is amazing. And notice in this verse how it says, God, God is the one who opened her heart. It says the Lord opened her heart to respond to what Paul was saying. And I think Paul was very motivated to find people that were far from God. But it's almost like God's in this story saying, if I could imagine maybe his thoughts, is God would say to Lydia that, Lydia, you belong with me. I care so much about you that I'm going to send a random dude across the ocean with words of eternal life because I want you in my family. So God, through Paul, brought Lydia into the fold. And it says, after she and her household were baptized, she urged us, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house, and she persuaded us. She expressed her hospitality for, the, for this group. And I love this story. I love how Paul was, he was like, I exist for the people that are not yet in the God's family yet. And so he was, he was going around looking for them. And we actually have a similar story today. We have a story of a woman that is, actually two women that have come to Christ recently in our church and, um, and are going to get baptized today, just like it says Lydia got baptized. And I want you to hear uh, a video clip from one of these uh, women, and her name is Mylene. And so I'm going to show you a video of her experience finding Jesus here. I thought for the longest time that to be saved, I need to, you know, do good, like, all the time. And it was really hard for me because for a while I kind of lost track, you know, lost my way. And I felt like it was so hard for me to redeem myself, you know, because, of course, you know, I'm just human. I would sin again and I feel like I'm just in that hole and I feel like I'm not worthy enough to, to be, you know, enter God's heaven. So I feel like, you know what, I, I don't know how to do this. And then I saw Valley Lights Church. I actually prayed for it. Like, God, please, you know, um, I want to give my everything for you because I know everything, all of everything that I have is because of you. So, and then I saw Valley Lights Church and I got a mailer, I think. And I'm like, it's just across our house. We're doing it. So, and then when I talked to you guys and you said that, you know, if I accept God as my Savior, that I'm like saved and 
I don't need to, you know, keep trying and trying. I, I, I get teary I just, just hearing that because I'm like, really? All this time, I thought that I was just like, you know, how am I gonna get there? I, I, I can't do it by myself. That's all I'm saying. It's emotional because really, it's like a big deal, you know? It's like you're, you're in, in a hellhole or something, but you can't get out by yourself. But with God's forgiveness, it helps me and makes everything easier, you know? And actually, the, the more I think about it, now that I know that God forgives, has forgiven me, it actually becomes just like natural for me. And then, yeah, I saw Valley Lights Church, and then suddenly, everything happened. It's like a miracle. I have my family here every Sunday. We haven't missed a Sunday. I feel like it made our family more united. It, it made us like one unit because just coming to the church, we're like a family. Before we would do everything kind of like separately, but now we're like, like I, I said, one unit here. Just being at the church with the people here at Valley Lights, it's just, that's it. We're content. It's what we needed. Does that encourage you? Yeah. Definitely. Thank you for sharing your story, Miley. I appreciate that. I love this story. This is kind of like our, our most recent Lydia story, you know? And um, I appreciate one of the things she said is um, being with you people, the people of Valley Lights. And so I think she, she is pointed to the fact that it actually took all of us to make the gospel become real and vibrant for, for her, for it to make sense. And um, that means we need, so like if it was just, let's just say it was just me and Aaron and our kids just like in Santa Cruz doing our own thing, it, it wouldn't have the impact of all of this happening with you guys standing at the door greeting and parents in kids zone doing their thing and people on worship and like the sound guy, like all of this happening in our groups midweek and like the, the relationships that are happening. It takes the body, it takes you, each of you playing your part and your roles to make this thing come to life and to demonstrate Jesus' love and make his forgiveness feel so real. So this, um, this is a big celebration. This is why baptism is such a big deal is because we get to celebrate what God has done through us as a family, bringing a new person into the fold. And um, I also love that Mylene started praying for our church before we got here, which is awesome. And uh, the truth is, we started praying for her before we even knew her. Um, as a church, we've walked these neighborhoods, even before we moved here, and just praying, I, you know, praying for people behind these closed doors, praying that God would open the doors, that they'd walk here, but open the doors of their hearts as well. And so this is, a, this is an answered prayer for us, too, that God is using us in this way. And so f whenever we see a brand new person walk through the doors on a Sunday morning, that person is a gift from God. And they're not yet one of us. They're not in the fold yet, but we want them because God wants them. So I want to invite you to um, come. When we do go to that baptism later today, I want to invite you to come and celebrate what God has done for, for Mylene and also another woman named Julie. And um, we're having tacos, if that helps anything. So, <laughs> tacos, rice and beans, and uh, um, one of the goals that I have is maybe, I'm really excited about this, so when we, when we finish church today, I'm hoping that we can knock down our, our teardown process quickly as a team, 
and get over there. That it's about a probably about a 12 minute drive from here in the direction of our house, and um, you can see you can search for it on your your um, events sheet exactly where it is. But I want you to be a part of that, and just so that we can celebrate as a church family what God is doing here. And so if we, if we're looking at this topic, you know, bringing people into the fold, who fits the category of not in the fold yet. So who's not in the fold? One category is the unchurched, unbelieving people in our city around us. Maybe your neighbors and coworkers. Uh, it's just, it's there, there's people outside. They're just out there. They're out there. And they're not in the fold. But also, there's, I would say some people that are not yet in the fold are people that are here, but they're new. They're new to Valley Lights. Maybe they know Jesus, maybe they don't. But either way, just walking through the doors doesn't make you one of us. Like, you got to be accepted. Like, somehow a person has to feel accepted and invited and included to be a part of it. So, if you're, so like, if you're, let's say if you're a member, if you're a regular here, and you feel like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm in, I'm in, I'm, I'm a part of the church family, I want you to write on your paper somewhere, if you'd like, the name of at least one person who has invited you into the fold, so to speak. I don't mean like they invited you to like to church, but like you felt like, oh, they thought of me. Like they included me. Like they, they invited me to be there and they didn't have to. So is there, you know, for you, if, you, if you're a part of this, who, who, who did that for you? Was there somebody that invited you in? And then when you did get that invitation to be a part, maybe to go to someone's house or maybe to be a part of something, how, how did you feel when you got invited? I want to show another video clip from an old movie called The Pianist, and it's, um, it's a true story of a Jewish man on the run during the Holocaust. And uh, it's not going to be um, a barbaric scene that I'm showing you, by the way, although there are in this movie. Um, but it's a, it's a clip where the guy, he's, he's on the run and uh, in Warsaw when if you were in the streets, you'd get attacked right away. <clears throat> so he's running at night in the middle of winter, hasn't eaten for weeks, is about to faint from hunger and exhaustion, near starvation, in the middle of winter, and then um, it, it just quicks, it, uh, the scene changes to where he reaches the home of a friendly couple who secretly hid him, and, and then they relocated him into a better area. Um, this couple would relocate the Jews, and so, but you'll, you'll see in the movie how desperate he is just for a piece of bread. So check this out.
this is a scene where <clears throat> he's near, nearly dying, nearly about to be killed, and he finally makes it to someone's home. They bring him in, and they just take care of his knees. They let him sleep on the couch in a warm place, give him soup and bread, like just the basic things. And <clears throat> personally, I think there's a lot of spiritually hungry people in our city and in your neighborhoods and at your jobs. People that probably don't look like they're about to pass out, but spiritually speaking, they're very desperate, and they're living in enemy territory. This guy, everywhere he turned, he was in enemy territory. It was stress and pressure and fear and pain everywhere he went until he finds a friendly couple who were willing to risk their own lives. If you, if you were found out for taking in a Jew, you'd get killed. So this is actually, they're willing not only to serve and to bring people in to, to the fold, so to speak, but even at tremendous cost and risk themselves. And I think for those of us that follow Christ, what this means for us is that we no longer live for ourselves. We can't. We can't be selfish with our, our time and what we want to do with our lives. Jesus showed us the way first. He first went to go live basically in the slums of the universe. Jesus came to planet Earth at a horrible time in history. Like the most barbaric, cruel way of killing a person was invented during this time, crucifixion. So Jesus went directly into enemy territory. It's like, if you, it would be like in, in this, this Holocaust situation, if you were a Jew and you were like on the other side of the, the, the planet in a safe place, beautiful garden, and you're like, I'll just go into a concentration camp. Why would you do that? Jesus went into enemy territory and he didn't need to. By the way, he had plenty of great community with God. God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit make up their own community. He didn't need us. But for the sake of bringing us into the fold, he was willing, Jesus was willing to get dirty, spit on, unjustly accused, and brutally murdered. He walked right into it, on purpose. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, He died for all, so that those who live, meaning us, those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. He says, we basically, we, we can be selfish and we can live for ourselves, but we shouldn't. Based on what he did for us, the, the point is that we would, know, we would like give up like, hey, my goals, my agenda, my plans, my money, my focus, my future should be like, that's in the past. I don't live for myself anymore. And it says, next verse, it says he, verse 20, he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. So we have this new job now. We have the message, the good news. And he's given it to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. This is a, a shocking responsibility, that God is entrusting us with the message of the gospel. So Paul says, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So I think about this idea of bringing people into the fold, practically speaking, and, you know, sometimes we'll be at an event, and... Uh, Usually our, our, our default is to like, hey, let's go talk to the new people or maybe the person that is not a churchgoer. But every once in a while we show up at an event and we're like, like, oh man, I'm like really low on energy to go talk to a new person right now. And I'm like, yeah, me too. I'm like, oh, we just, you know, sometimes it's hard to like keep doing that, to like work up the energy 
Because like here, over here, I got somebody I really like talking to. I want to like catch up with them. And then over here is a person I've never met before. Which one is easier when I'm feeling like exhausted and drained? But then we're like, all right. And then next thing I know, I see Aaron talking to a brand new person. And like we just, you know, I'm like, all right, I should do that too. <laughs> so I want to I wanna encourage you who are followers of Christ to consider this possibility that you can bring others into the fold. And here's a few practical ways that you could do this. One would be to strike up conversation. There's a list of ideas on your handout if you want to follow along. Maybe circle one that stands out to you. But strike up conversation. I don't know if you feel like a good conversationalist or if you're a chatty person or not, but for, I would say, most people, it just requires work to be the one to go initiate. Like, walk across, I'm going to walk across the room and start the conversation. That's kind of hard to do. But imagine if you're the new person. Like, I was at that party. I was like, I'm the new person, so I, gotta, I, have, I have, like, the energy depleting the situation of being the new person and the one who has to strike up conversation. Well, we can, we can shorten the distance by initiating ourselves. Another thing we could do is to invite others into our homes. This is powerful. Think about the refreshment in that, that video clip of just being welcomed into a, like stepping across the threshold from pain and confusion and darkness and just into a place of warmth and hospitality and love. And you, we, we can actually do that for people. When someone crosses the threshold of your door, and they're like, man, I've, I've just been welcomed in. This, that's an amazing feeling. And I think one thing that's, that, we're, that our church is really good at is when it comes to welcoming people is greeting them and greeting new folks when they come in. And we have a thing called the first five. And so the first five minutes after church is a chance to go maybe talk to somebody you haven't met before. But maybe we can get to the next level where we're known for not just talking for five minutes, but inviting people into our homes. And just like getting a number and saying like, hey, you come over. Or another, another idea would be initiate lunch after church. I mean, we usually end around, you know, noon. So get hungry and why not just, hey, like, let's, go, let's go to Chipotle or let's go to El Pollo Loco. Or um, I could, you could step it up and go to La Cocina. <laughs> or uh, Sabor, that one. I mean, it depends how much money you have that day. <laughs> Invite to lunch. And when you do that, the person will say to themselves, like, wow, they want to spend time with me. What a great thing. Uh, another idea would be go to the least connected person at the next gathering. So imagine you're at church, or no, no, you're at a group, or maybe you're just at a birthday party, or you're, where, where you're at some sort of gathering, people are socializing, and uh, who's the person that's the least connected there? They're like, oh, they're new, or maybe they don't, they, they don't really know anybody. Go to that person first. It's kind of like, I feel like you know, sometimes we have, it feels like we have um, infrared vision. You know, if, you, if you're using like night vision or infrared vision, you, you, the people in the screen like kind of light up. Or like Neo in the Matrix when he like can see the bad guys and they like all light up on his vision. It's kind of like we go to a party and we're, we're like scanning, like looking to see like who's not connected here. Like who maybe is the person that God is working on. Let's go find those people. This is a diff isn't that kind of like a different way of looking at social gatherings? Like this is, this is like, whoa, this is like, whoa, paradigm shift. Another idea, delay spending time with the person of my choice. So you, there's a person that you wanna talk to and see and hang out with, maybe delay. Put that on the back burner until you talk to some other people first. Another idea, be unrushed. I like to call this the Adirondack chair mentality. Being unrushed. So here's here an Adirondack chair. 
Does anybody like sitting in these types of chairs? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I do. I really love these. And because uh, they're like, you just sit back and you don't really go anywhere fast when you're sitting in a chair like this. And it actually takes a while to get out of a chair like this. <laughs> and so if you're chatting and you're, you're in a chair, you're like, I got, I'm in no rush. I'm here to talk. You just share your story. Because usually what happens, we, like, it's often the case for me, I'm like really efficiency minded when I'm talking to somebody, I'm thinking about the next thing or I'll think about what I'm going to say. But like, just to like unrush it, just like, hey, you know what? I'm just going to hang out here for a few minutes and listen and talk. That communicates, I want to spend time with you and you're important. That's hard to do too. Another idea is dedicate a weekly slot to new people. Now this is just, this is just crazy. There's actually people in our church that have done this, by the way. But what if you just said every Monday nights we're going to have some new people over? Or we're going to invite a family from church that we haven't had over yet. Or we're going to invite some neighbors over. We've been talking about doing a barbecue for like years since like COVID and we haven't done it yet. You're like, every, every Monday night that's going to happen. Put that on the schedule. Another idea, remember names and details about other people's lives. So maybe you have this conversation and they tell you about something hard that they're going through. Remember it, because when you see them again, you say like, hey, Joe, how's it going with that surgery? Or, or whatever, and like, people are like, wow, you remembered. Another idea, and this is quite possibly, it is the most powerful, the punchiest, the most effective, is share the good news of Jesus. And before you just write this one off, you're like, you need to strike it off the list, like I'm not doing that, just think about it for a second. Just think about the possibility of you sharing the good news of Jesus with somebody you know, and they respond. And like Lydia, the Lord opens their heart. I don't know when is the last time you've had that experience. It's incredible to be used like that. You can share. If you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, you may be like really rough at it, and maybe you're like, I don't know what to do. But if you're a Christian and you really believe Jesus, you have the good news in you. You know it. Just share about it. This is crazy. So I would say, in my experience, it's shocking how many people I've had conversations with about the good news, about Jesus, and people that have been in church for years here in other cities, and we get to this part of the conversation, and I share the good news. And how many times people say, no one has ever explained it to me like this? I'm like, yeah, but you've been in church for years. How is that possible that you've sat through like 300 sermons and you've been around Christians? I'm telling you, this happens a lot because I think what happens is God uses these one-on-one -on -one conversations in a powerful way. It's not always necessary, but a one-on-one -on -one conversation with somebody that you know, somebody in your life, your family member, your coworker, your neighbor, God can use that in an amazing way. And you can help bring someone into the fold. Our church name is Valley Lights, and this name is intentional because, um, we, well, we live in the Santa Clarita Valley, but it's also sort of a reference to the fact that um, a lot of people feel like they are living in a valley, so to speak, spiritually. And sometimes you journey through life and it feels like a dark valley, but we are lights because we have the good news of Jesus and he lives in us. So we are lights in the valley and if you're, a, if you're a member here, you're one of them. And you're a person that can people be attracted to, to Jesus through you. My, the verse I mentioned earlier, Acts 16.5, I think is in the slide now. Thank you very much. Perfect. 
this is, I love this. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew in numbers daily, or grew daily in numbers. This is a vision that I have for our church, that we would be strengthened in the faith, that you, your own walk with God would be strengthened, and that we would grow daily in numbers. It's not just because I want to have a big church, because, because I really, really care about people. So because of it, because since this is part of our vision, here's who we are. We are inclusive. We want more people here. We're inclusive. And I'll tell you what, being inclusive goes against our nature because normally we just want to be the in crowd and just hang with the in crowd. But we, inclusive means I don't know you, you're new, we want you. You join us. Be a part of us. That's who we are. So can you think of a time when you have targeted a new person? You're like, I got laser sights. I'm going to look for the new person here. Can you think of a time that you've ever done that? And why don't people do that more often, I wonder? Well, Lord willing, we'll develop a culture of inclusive relationships, a culture of belonging. And let me just end with this. Um, if you are new, so I, in some respects, I spent a lot of time talking to you like the insider, but if you're not an insider and you're an outsider, and let's say you're even newer to Valley Lights, let's say you're newer to even walking with Jesus and exploring faith, I want you to know you're not a number and you're not a statistic. You are an eternally valuable person. Each of you, you have value because God made you and he wants you. And, I, and we want you to join the fold. And if you're here today and if you're walking through a valley, a dark time in your life, if there's pain and trouble that you're living through every day, my friend, God has brought you here because he loves you. There is hope for you. God wants you to join the fold. And if you do, if you take a step towards God, I think you'll find that the church, his church, which is his body, is a place of healing. It's a place where you can get some answers to the confusion and trouble. Partly because, partly because this church is full of other people who have struggled with their own dark valleys or maybe struggling right now. Some of us are struggling to just keep walking. Sometimes every, just the steps every day feel hard. Just waking up sometimes feels hard. Just keep, so I would encourage you, if, you, if that's you, keep going. Keep taking steps towards God. Today was the first message in a new series. And I hope you come back next week. Um, we're going to talk about more reasons why you belong here and more reasons why those of us who are in have an unbelievable opportunity to impact eternity. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for gathering us today, allowing us to be here, providing this facility, and then just moving people around so that we can be connected to each other and ultimately connected to Christ. Pray that you'd use our church and that you would grow us so that more people can find new life, refreshing life in Jesus Christ, and find eternal life that you provide. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.